I'm Steph. And I'm Jeff. Each week, we review a film that's streaming online. As writers, we'll deep dive into the characters and plot to tell you if it's a good story. Listen at your own risk. This review contains spoilers. Now sit back. Relax. And and enjoy enjoy Stream On. Today, we'll be reviewing Arrival streaming on Amazon Prime. Aliens show up on Earth, locked away in massive starships. Attempts to communicate are difficult, but if the alien language can be cracked, the secrets of the universe will be given to humanity. Or an alien recipe for onion dip. One of those. Arrival was directed by Dennis Villanube and written by Eric Hesserer. It's based on a 1998 short story, Story of Your Life, by Ted Chang. The film stars Amy Adams as Louise Banks, a professor of linguistics and our primary protagonist, Jeremy Renner as Ian Donnelly, a theoretical physicist, and Forrest Whitaker as Colonel G.T. Weber, the military head of this operation to communicate with the alien. So, Jeff, you chose this film. What made you pick Arrival? Okay, so I thought this was a great first contact film and a really neat look at the difficulty of communication. So as a science fiction concept, I liked it. Beyond that kind of plot element, I thought it was an interesting look at this idea that our perception of the world is governed by our language and how when you change language or when you change the way even language is structured, that it changes your worldview. And now in this case, it literally changes how you perceive time. But stepping back from that kind of fantastical element, I think that's fa- I think it's an interesting idea of how we choose our signifiers and what they mean about how we think and how we pr- process the world around us. So there you go. Okay, well, let's jump into the plot analysis. So as a writer, what are some of the plot points or character points that you would like to talk about? I actually want to start by talking about probably the thing I like the least about this movie, which is the ending. Okay. So for most of the film, we see our protagonists attempting to decipher the language of the heptapods, the alien. We get a kind of shoehorned-in action sequence where some rogue U.S. soldiers want to blow the aliens up for Jesus or something. I don't know. Reasons? Because we need an explosion? Right. It wasn't clear. But the problem, I, the thing I had the real problem with is that by the end of the movie, we get this notion that the aliens have come to Earth to change our perceptions of time because sometime in the distant future, they're going to need to recruit us to fight some war or something with them. And it's such a half-baked idea and completely unnecessary. And I don't believe it was in the source short story. It was added for this movie. Like they needed some other thing to pump this up. As like a p- b- bigger epic reason for their visit to Earth other than just they're curious about a new species and want to communicate with us. Right. And I, I think it actually undercuts some of the themes of the difficulties of communication between different cultures. And I, the reason I say is that in the movie, they are teaching us their language for a reason. They want to change our perception of time because that's one of the things the way the heptapods communicate. They basically are able to see all time kind of coterminously, apparently. Yeah, it's nonlinear language. Um, These seven-foot octopus-like creatures use ink. Uh, It's very octopus-like. They use ink, and it shows things and like symbols and pictures, uh, but they can, once you learn this language, 
you can basically see your entire life sentence from birth to death. That it alters your ability to base to see time. Right. But the thing is that in the original story, the effect of seeing time the way the aliens do is more of a it's a side effect, but it's not as purposeful. It's not like the aliens came here to do that. They came here to communicate with us for unknown reasons. And I read the story a while ago, so there may be some details I'm missing. But this whole idea that they're here to literally change our perceptions kind of changes the nature of the story. It's less purposeful. It's like these creatures are so alien, they're literally changing the way we look at time and the universe as kind of a side effect because because they are so different. It's mm-hmm. not some sort of plan to make us a more like them. It's just what happens. And I find that actually more interesting with that theme of how do different cultures, how do radically different cultures communicate and how many things when we talk to each other, whether it's with different languages or different cultural standards, how many things do we accidentally leave out? How many things do we accidentally or unconsciously assume of the other person that their language and their, and by some extension, their culture doesn't allow them to process or they see differently as opposed to the film where it's much more like, well, they're here to do a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of world-building elements that I think definitely merit further thought as you're trying to understand the heptapod nonlinear language and how it, you know, relates to our world, because uh, this takes place relatively, like it's set to take place in present day. Uh, and uh, in the future. And this whole thing about the heptapods coming to teach us their nonlinear language so that we can help them in 3,000 years, I'm, I did have a hard time with that because I had a hard time understanding how such an advanced race that can see the past and the future and use this logogram language to understand things non-linearly and it uh, needs human help in 3,000 years. Like I, I maybe like their planet's dying and they need a new place to live in 3,000 years. So they're training humans to learn like their language so that they can cohabitate Earth with humans. But that doesn't make sense because if they could see 3,000 years and they see all the climate change stuff, I, I was like, well, I don't know about that. If our, There might be a better planet out there than Earth. Um, but that it, it did leave a lot of questions unanswered about what is this thing in 3,000 years that they're going to need help with that humans are so essential for. Um, and I was frustrated because we never got that answered. Well, my thing is it's, it's not necessary for the story. The story really yeah. is, first, how would humans you know, handle this kind of first contact? Second, how does language con- you know, explain how we construct a worldview? And then third, you know, there's the personal story with uh, our protagonist and what's going to happen uh, in the future with um, Jerry Renner and their future daughter. Right. So the human story. Mm-hmm. But- Which is a powerful one, but, you know, also interesting because, you know, it it begs the question, okay, does knowing the future allow Luis to change anything? Because if 
she knows the future, that she will have a daughter who's born with a rare disease and will suffer and die, you know, in I think teenage years. Wouldn't she just do in vitro or like, you know, make sure that she had a good egg without that rare disease? Like, couldn't couldn't she have, I mean, this is modern day, so we have a lot of options for making healthy babies nowadays. Like, couldn't she have done that to alter it and have a different daughter? Or does knowing the future mean that you really can't change anything and you're going to, but, but the, the film implied that she made a choice to have this daughter, which is why it caused a lot of conflict between her and um, uh, Jeremy Renner's character, Ian, because he knew that she knew this and still chose that path. So, you know, it leaves that sort of that quintessential question of if you can see the future, can you alter it? I think the film heavily implies that you can't, that you're not seeing a possible future, that you just have access to if you will, the fourth dimension in a different way than we normally do. So you're seeing events that have to take place. They've already they've already happened, and you're just becoming aware of them, so you can't actually change them. So she couldn't choose to have a hysterectomy and not have this kid. Right. That's my impression from how this film handles the concept of seeing outside your own particular frame of reference as far as time's concerned. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I got that. I got I got that she knowing that she was going to have this daughter that was going to eventually suffer from this rare disease and die, she still chose to have her because she she could see the beauty in their relationship and all those experiences. Like, I I got the sense that she still had that choice, just like she had the choice in that, that General Shang scene where, you know, she goes into the future and tells him a message that causes him like what is it's what's what the wife said on her deathbed to him right Mm -hmm. Uh, in war there are no winners only widows uh and and that that causes things like the his what was it his his nukes or his ships or whatever yeah yeah he called it basically he calls off his nukes as a result of that um and so she again, made the choice to do that. So I, I got or the did sense she? That, Or did she? I mean, yeah, I mean, it... Because in her future, there's no nuclear holocaust. So she didn't make... So she always had to make the choice. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the things about seeing the future is that... And, it, you know, it's an interesting question, actually, in physics, right? It's like, right. if you could see a future... Are you actually literally collapsing all possible futures into that one that it has to happen because if you're seeing it, it has to have happened. Right. And then and then then you're just moving through your life really not making choices. It's just moving through on a on a program script. Correct. I mean, you know, obviously most of the it's all theoretical at this point, because we don't know if you can do any of this. But there is that question, and I think that gets back like into um, like really esoteric f- physics about like if you're observing a thing, are you collapsing all the possibilities of you know where it can be and what it can do? And this movie, I think, again, I, I don't know if they, if, I don't recall if there's ever a moment where a character says, "Oh, we c- can't change the future." But my impl- what I took away from this is that the heptapods clearly understand that if they give humans this ability, it's going to lead to that moment where they, thousands of years in the future, can help them. Well, knowing that, 
couldn't they do the wrong thing so they couldn't help them? So I think the idea is that when you see the future, that like the heptapods see all time as one because mm-hmm. it's all happening at the same time to them. It's just our perception was different. Yeah, well, my, yeah, my understanding is they see all time within their lifeline. Like they see their birth to their death. They don't see past their death, though. But they, th- they must live a long time. They must live for 3,000 years so they can see that far ahead. Well, and that's the thing, too, though, is that if, if any entity can see beyond its particular time, then again, you're back to the problem that are you collapsing all possible futures into one? I mean, that, not, not to get too deep into religion, but that's one of the things about this idea of a, you know, omniscient God, one who can see everything, you know, some deity that can see everything from the creation of the universe to the end of it. Well, if you can do that, then all time exists. All time has already existed, and we're just kind of moving. going along a track. We're moving through it along a train track, yeah, thinking as, that we have choice. But um, as far as this film, I think the, again... I, I acknowledge that it's not really directly addressed, but I th- the implication I got is that, yes, she has to do these things. So that brings me then to my other plot thing about Ian's character. So they set Ian up to be this brilliant theoretical physicist, right? So by the time, you know, they get to the point where the daughter is dying of the rare disease and she lets him know, like, I, I knew this was coming and this and that. As a theoretical physicist that understands that she didn't have choice, she just saw what was predestined to happen, why would he up and leave her and be so upset about that she made a choice when she really didn't make a choice, she was just following her path? And again, he's set up to be this very brilliant theoretical physicist that should understand this. Because people's emotions aren't always rational. So whatever whatever he may be thinking, you... So let's... Within the context of this universe, right... You could say, well, he should know that the heptapods, their ability basically collapses the future. Right. And didn't he learn the language as well over time to be able to see that? I, I do want to say something. I was actually, I'm not clear about that if he understood it enough that he was having that happen or if it was just her. Yeah. I, I just, having watched it, I, I did not get the sense that he necessarily was able to see that he had learned enough to be able to see beyond where he was or that it was affecting him the same way. General Shang must have learned it because he knew to give her that message in 18 months. So he must have had it known it enough. Well, he knew, or yeah, did he know to give it to her because she'd given it to him in the past and told him to give it to her in the future. <laughs> so he didn't actually see it. He just listened to her. Who knows? That one's that one's another, I mean, like, the, it'll make your head hurt if you think about it too long. Well, and this is one of the things when you're trying to, you know, you're world building like this and you have two hours to try to create your own kind of idiosyncratic look at how time functions, along with all the other stuff you're trying to toss into this movie. I'm not surprised there are some questions and gaps in here. Mm-hmm. I think it works well enough conceptually, though, this idea that... In this case, language isn't just about how you define your world around you, but also how you perceive time itself. It's an interesting idea. Well, and Louise, and, and that's one thing, like, the movie feels like it doesn't take place over that long of a period of time between when the, the ovoid ships show up and the communication starts happening and they're starting to, like, get these symbols. But then Louise becomes fluent fairly quickly or at least that's how I perceive it in the film but you know maybe she was able to teach like 
because she could start seeing the future, um, her, you know, 18 months in the future self could teach her the rest of the language. Like, I'm not quite sure how the, how she learned the language so quickly. I mean, I know she's a brilliant linguist, so she probably can absorb and learn languages faster than your average person. But it did feel like she became fluent in this complex alien language very quickly. I, I think that the, the in-universe way of explaining it is that because her future self knew it, that it was having some backscatter. It was basically affecting her ability to learn it in her past. Yeah, that's. I mean, that was my thought as well. I mean, it it it's not explained, and I agree. It it does seem like this movie takes place over a fairly short period of time, um, and she does pick up the Salian language really quickly. But that's what I took as like, well, her future self knows it, so her it somehow is affecting her in the past, so she could learn it quickly. Yeah. yeah. Duolingo on steroids. <laughs> So one of the other things I wanted to just kind of bring up, which I think this film does a really neat job of for the most part, is how do you take something, a concept that in and of itself is not necessarily that interesting, like people trying to translate a language, and how do you make it interesting? And this film does a nice job of it without resorting to too many kind of like artificial action moments or things like that. We have the stupid bomb attack, right, which is one of the low points of the film. But for the most part, it's just characters interacting. It's 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 very much it's you know the plot matters, but it's very much a character thing of these how these two protagonists and some of the people around them interact and how they talk to the heptapods. I was really impressed with that because this movie could have been deathly dull. Mm-hmm. And based on the strength of the actors and the emotional connection that you can feel to them, or at least I felt to them, but also the interesting nature of what it is they're learning. I think this is a good way to handle like that kind of topic. Yeah, I think they did a good job with this. I mean, this is it's got an interesting plot, but it is very character driven. Uh, what well, thing- I was going to say, that's one of the other reasons I thought you'd enjoy this. Why I wanted to pick it because I know you, you are like uh, I, I can get by on a good plot. But no, you, you really need those characters. And this I has like good characters. Char- characters I can just kind of sink my teeth into a bit. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask in terms of characters. So we we know our protagonist is Luis as our main protagonist, right? right. And then we've also got kind of Ian secondary. So who is the antagonist in this film? Uh, because, you know, there's a couple... There's the aliens, right? But at first, they kind of seem like they could be antagonists. We don't know if they're friendly or not. But then over time, we learn they're good, and they're just trying to give us language to, you know, protect their future. There's General Shang. Uh, you know, he is, like, China and, like, paranoid, and the, he's got his ships with the nuclear stuff and all that. But in the end, he also ends up doing the right thing and calling back his nukes. And then there's this like humanity in totality that this idea that the film touches on that we are our own worst enemy when we don't communicate, like that things go wrong and we start assuming the worst of each other and they weren't sharing, right? They like different, the aliens were sharing like different symbols about different, they landed in, what was it, like seven spots? I can't remember, but they landed in, you know, multiple different spots randomly around the planet. So different countries had jurisdiction. And so they were sharing different parts and they really needed to all work together to work out the language. And we weren't doing that. And so things were escalating. Um, But who did, because there's like multiple layers here, I was just wondering who you saw as the actual antagonist 
a film like this. Oh, I think it was pretty clear that it was supposed to be human nature. That yeah. was the, it was our fear of the unknown, our inability to cooperate, our, in a, our difficulty in dealing with people outside of our, our cultural framework. Yeah, and communicate. And when we don't communicate and under, try to understand each other, and we go first to like becoming paranoid, xenophobic, and nuclear, that that can that's not healthy. Right, and that's one of the reasons why the aliens did this the way they did. Mm-hmm. Is they picked locations where people would not cooperate. The idea is they wanted to force us to learn to cooperate. The only way we could dis- decipher the message, decipher the language, and change our brain or whatever was by everybody talking to each other so this you could say that there are a couple of things going on here is that not only was the language supposed to be something to make the us more like them so in the future we're willing to work with them against whatever the threat is but they're also kind of laying the groundwork for a unified humanity so we don't nuke ourselves or we don't die from climate change because because we got to be around in 3,000 years to help them out with whatever. So we got to be unified enough to to help the planet stay healthy until 3,000 years right. from now. So they have a very – this goes back to, like I said, one of the issues I have with this is that they have a very pragmatic motivation for this. It's not just the side effect of, of first contact. It's they want to do this. But they also are setting this scenario up so that humans become more unified, so mm-hmm. that we actually – get past some of our tribalism. We learn that you need to talk to each other, that you need to look past whatever your tiny little cultural difference is because there's a bigger whole. Humanity as a whole is much more important. Yeah, so that, I thought that was an interesting concept for an antagonist because you sort of have the red herring that it's the aliens and then General Shang, but it's really human nature as the antagonist. And you, that's, you don't often see an antagonist in film be something like broad like that normally it's like a big bad or a character that's the antagonist so to make all of us the antagonist was i thought something powerful and unique that this film did well and you know clearly it's a thematically it's something that easily resonates with us in our daily existence look Mm -hmm. at all the massive problems you know challenges that humanity as a whole faces including this never-ending pandemic. Yes, this was recorded in 2021. The, you know, these things that if we cooperated, if we got past whatever our, not necessarily language differences per se, but cultural differences, mm-hmm. we'd be able to handle these in a lot more efficient fashion. But we don't. Right. Yeah, it's a pandemic, climate change, any of these big things that really need a global cooperative response across lots of countries that impact our planet as a whole and our existence as a whole. Yeah. we. I mean, there are some key lessons that could be learned from this movie. So we clearly need a bunch of aliens to show up. That We need heptapods to come down and spray their ink around and, and learn nonlinear time language um, and we'll be okay. Logogram, I think that's the name of the language, is the answer. <laughs> Anything wow. else that um, you would like to say about this film, Jeff? I actually do want to do a quick little, I guess, uh, acknowledge of the design of the aliens. Mm-hmm. The heptapods are neat. They are very alien design. The design of the language is interesting. It's very pretty. It's a beautiful looking thing, but it's it's like art and it's really not well done. Even the ships are interesting. So, um, It's art and it's really not well done? No, it is really well done. It's like art and it's really well done. Oh, okay. It sounds like you said it right. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. 
even down to the ships, everything feels like a very alien presence coming to Earth. So I really want to. You know, a little hat tip to the design crew because they did a great job with these things. Yeah, no, they were they were visually interesting uh, and and very it it did feel alien. Um, and you get a lot of that sort of tropey generic alien stuff now in film, like the White Spikes, for example, and the Tomorrow War. But they went out of their way to design something unique and out of the norm. And they exactly. and they kind of took concepts from Earth that we would understand, like an octopus, an ink, or squid. It had that feel, but like on steroids. Right. So one thing that I thought was, it's an interesting storytelling technique, is to use flash forward instead of flashback. We've talked a lot about the use of flashback in film, like we talked about that with Lion, um, but... This film uses flash forward, uh, similar to how like Triangle did a bit, where it shows you scenes at the beginning that happen in the future, but because we are thinking in linear time, we think that it's happening in the past and that things are progressing. So I thought that was cool, especially given that this film is about nonlinear language and time, to start the film with a flash forward. I thought that was a really good stylistic choice what are your thoughts about flash forward as a technique in this film it works because Mm -hmm. this film is about the inevitability of the future so she is seeing scenes of her future with her daughter and the ultimate you know tragic end of that i think that in some other films you have to you have to be careful of because you can then completely undercut your drama. Like you can give away the plot by doing a flash forward, like showing the end before you get there. Yeah. And I've seen films like that where you there was something. Actually, I believe it was a movie. It was a film we just uh, reviewed, um, the Andromeda Strain. And there is a scene in that where one of the characters is like talking about what has happened in the film, but it's only part of the way through the movie. So you're like, oh well, this guy made it through the film. It kind of, to me, it undercut some of that drama. Mm-hmm. So you got to be really careful when you do that. Um, well, and you have to. I mean, I, I think it's one thing if you know it, right? Like if you know it's a flash forward, then. But like with this film, I didn't know it was a flash forward until further on. That was like the big plot twist, right? And I agree with that. And that is one thing is that when I first saw this, the first time I was first time I watched, it, I assumed that these were flashbacks mm-hmm. that we were seeing something that happened, and then it's like, oh no. It does work really well, and even knowing that on subsequent uh, uh, viewings, it's, it still works. Mm-hmm. And like I said, but I think I'd be careful because, again, you can easily crush your whole story if you're not careful about how you do that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a good choice to use in a film like this, but but yeah, use it prodigiously in story writing in general. Yes. Okay, well, let's wrap this film up. So, Jeff, what was the scene you liked the best in Arrival? I really enjoyed the open. I, I like the alien arrival in the first meeting, and we get a sense of just how alien they are and how disturbing it would be for something that's like this to actually happen. But also that our human characters don't react like in that kind of stereotypical, sometimes sci-fi uh, way where they're like, you know, immediately open fire on the aliens or anything like that. It's a mix of fear, but also rationality is like this is something we've been waiting for we just need to like kind of work through the problem as we can so i i I thought that was nice and it sets a nice tone for the rest of the film how about you what was your favorite scene so i liked where they entered the egg slash ovoid ship 
for the first time to meet the aliens. I, it's just really cool visually, like just like the whole like going up there, and I it was it, it I was like edge of my seat, like waiting to see what these creatures look like and what their ship looks like. Uh, I thought they did a great job building up that suspense. So what was your least favorite scene? So we had uh, mentioned this earlier, but we didn't go into detail. There's a scene where rogue soldiers attempt to blow up the alien craft. And to me, this was out of place in this film, and it didn't make a lot of sense given the level of security and careful screening that they imply goes on. And just in the military and intelligence community, on this base camp they they have in Montana around this egg, it the fact that these folks would be able to get in and do this undetected was didn't make sense to me, and it was very plotty. And yeah, it just was out of place in a film like this. Well, I actually picked the exact same scene. Yeah, realize we do you realize we picked the same best and worst scenes. Yeah, yeah. I know that's so, that's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, what I'd add to that is I agree with everything you said. The only thing I'd add is it almost seemed like the creative team was like, well, people might not get our theme. They might not understand that we're talking about human fear and the lack of ability to communicate and all that. So let's do something obvious, like have a bunch of, I don't know, redneck soldiers or Christians or whatever the heck they're supposed to be, try to blow the ship up. And it's, as you said, it's just so out of place in this movie and completely unnecessary. Yeah, agreed. And they didn't really let us know. They were like, we didn't understand, like, were they religious fanatics? They sort of implied that, but they didn't really go that deep into it. That's kind of what I got out of it, is that it was some sort of religious thing. But... It almost reminded me of the movie Contact, yes. where they, you know, the, the religious fanatic guy goes and blows up, like, their first iteration of the contraption. It felt like they were... They almost took that same plot line and, and threw it in this movie. And where it worked well in Contact, it didn't work well here. But they built up that character to become sort of the religious terrorist in Contact. They right. didn't do that with these guys. Okay. So on a scale of zero to five, heptapod pandas? Heptapandas. How many are you going to give Arrival? This is a good film. I gave it four and a half out of five. It's a really interesting exploration on how we might interact with an alien race and try to communicate with them. It also looks at the challenges of communication uh, across cultures. And it looks like how it looks at how scary human nature can be and how it can get in our own way of healthy communication. Well acted by Amy Adams. She stole the show. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was one of those movies that I thought about after the movie ended. And the only reason it lost a half a point for me was because of the rogue soldier scene. It was out of place. So I did deduct 0.5 for that. But other than that, it's really a great film. I would highly recommend this one. What about you, Jeff? I also gave it 4.5. It's a great science fiction movie. And I pretty much had the same issues you had with it. I didn't like that bomb attack. And I do think the ending was a bit problematic. The thing we talked about with you know this being about some future crisis that we're going to help the aliens with seemed unnecessary. But overall, great movie. Wow, we are just in agreement with our wrap-up. Same best and worst scenes, 
same points for this film. It's, wow, we're in sync on this one. Well, clearly I saw the future. And saw you're going to do this. And I just want to make this as easy as yeah, possible. Yeah, we're just showcasing how good communication <laughs> works. Stream On is a production of Steph and Jeff Wright's Media. Reproduction without written consent is prohibited. All rights reserved 2021.